Hi, I'm Corey Huff from The Inspiration Place. No. Hi. <laughs> and you know that I'm, I'm putting this whole thing in. Like, I like yeah, the bloopers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hi, I'm Corey Huff from The Abundant Artist. And this is <laughs> The Inspiration Place. Yes, it is. With Miriam Shulman. <laughs> you forgot sure. Miriam Shulman. Sure. All right, hi, good enough. I'm Corey Huff. And hi, I'm Corey Huff from The Abundant Artist. And this is The Inspiration Place with Miriam Shulman. <gasps> Yay. Okay, awesome. You should leave that whole thing in there. I am. No, I totally, I totally leave. <laughs> you should hear the other ones I have. Somebody said, and this is the Miriam Shulman podcast. Like, you're on. <laughs> it's the Inspiration Place podcast with artist Miriam Shulman. Welcome to the Inspiration Place podcast, an art world insider podcast for artists by an artist, where each week we go behind the scenes to uncover the perspiration and inspiration behind the art. And now, your host, Miriam Shulman. Welcome to the Inspiration Place podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Shulman, an artist living in New York. This is a podcast where we go behind the scenes and talk about how artists actually run a successful business, and we even cover taboo topics such as money. That's why I'm so thrilled to have Corey Huff with me today. Corey doesn't believe in the starving artist myth. Corey is the founder of the Abundant Artist Association and is an author of a best-selling book, How to Sell Your Art Online. In addition, Corey is also an actor, storyteller, and fiction writer, which is what makes him such an interesting guest. Plus, he lives in one of my favorite artist towns, Portland, Oregon. Welcome, Corey. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so happy you're here. I am super excited to join you from Portland. You know, I realized that like almost half my guests so far are from Portland. There's a lot going on here. There is a lot going on. Like I had a lot going on here. I have like, you're like the third, I've only recorded maybe five or six and you're the third Portlander. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there you go. And I think I have a few more planned. <laughs> yeah, I bet, I bet I can guess who they all are too. I probably hang out with them on the weekends at, at, the, secret, at the secret club meeting. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> right? No, no, you do know, you do know a few of them. So yep. they're not all artists either. It's just like very yep. interesting people from Portland. Yep. There's a lot of interesting people here. That's for sure. Yeah. New York too, but we're like so snobby. You don't get to meet them. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just different. Here it's like, uh, let's just go and chill and like be weird. And, and it's so cheap to live here that you don't have to like kill yourself to get by. Yeah. And then in New York, it's like, oh, I got to make $5,000 this month or I'm not going to make rent. Like, it's true. It's just, it's just different. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> More than that, actually. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. Like, that's, that's good if you can get 5000 I did make an outline and I am sticking with it. You are an outline and planning fiend. You crack me up. Because, you know, the truth is I'm really extremely disorganized. So Mm -hmm. um, this is like to compensate. You're overcompensating for your weaknesses. Exactly. (laughs) And then this is not not my first podcast uh, interview now. So I'm kind of learning from my boo-boos. I need to, I need to do, I need to shut my door and turn off my air conditioner. Hang on. Less white noise in the background is good. Perfect. And I've learned to keep mine open because the first one I did, I like sealed everything up and the cat decided she had to come in. Sure. Yeah, so they do that. Meow, meow. And I like push them. <laughs> <laughs> so one of our cats has figured out that, has figured out what doorknobs are. 
And so he jumps up and he, <laughs> he holds the doorknob, like he hangs from the doorknob, That's but he can't, he can't turn it. You have right? to get a picture of that for Instagram. I really do. No, That's you really do, because artists yeah. love cats. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody Plus loves Instagram loves cats. So yeah, Instagram yes. loves cats. Yeah, and no, it would be great to get a picture or even a video of him doing it, just like a little boomerang yes. going up and down. Yes, yes. Full disclosure, I just finished the World Domination Summit, so I'm like super amped. The, the, <laughs> this might get weird. Okay. Okay. That's great. I'm so happy to have your positive energy. So anyway, Corey, I wanted to dig into a couple of different questions and questions I've just been having myself. So I figured I'd pick your brain. Sure. And then I also asked our audiences some questions. So you want to dig into those? Yeah, fire away. All right. And before we dive into all these questions, and there's really, really good ones, I just wanted to make sure all my listeners know that I have a free inspiration place Facebook group. There are, as of this recording, over 5,000 members there. You do not have to be a professional to join. You just have to be interested in art. And that is where I got most of these questions. And sometimes I'll be jumping in there. And if I have a guest expert, I'll be taking your questions directly from the group. So if you want your questions answered on this podcast for a little bit of free coaching, that's where you need to go. So it's the inspiration place on Facebook, but I'm going to have a link for that in the show notes. My show notes are shulmanart.com forward slash four, because this is episode number four. Or if you just want to go directly to the Facebook group, it's shulmanart.com forward slash group. And that will take you to my free Facebook group for artists. All right, so that's it. Now let's get back to the show. So one question I saw on your Instagram, which is what? The Abundant Artist? Yep, at the Abundant Artist. All right. Should artists frame their art? I mean, sure. See, I say no. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) I say, like, absolutely, absolutely I, not. I feel like I feel like it's an expense that you don't need, especially at the beginning of your art business. Uh, and people are just going to swap out the frame for the one they want anyway. Yeah. But I do know artists who are able to, you know, they do the framing themselves or whatever, and then they're able to add a bunch of markup to it. But I think at the end of the day, like you're an artist because you want to make art, not because you want to be a framer and right. make the art you want to make sell that and let somebody else frame it. That's yeah. kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. I mean, do you know how many frames I have in my basement right now from people who like I sold the art, but they didn't want the frame and I had to take it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My wife shops secondhand shops and we, we buy like somebody's really crappy uncle's art and uh, like, throw away, <laughs> throw away whatever that was and keep the frame so we, we have, uh, in our storage unit downstairs, we have probably about 20 frames. Yeah. So I like, I encourage people, well, my, I, my own experience is either I sell watercolors that are matted, but not framed or art on canvas that is gallery wrapped canvas unframed mm-hmm. because anytime I've ever added a frame, it's ended up being an additional expense that I had to eat. Yeah. So. I'm looking at the stuff behind me on the wall there and I'm like, okay, that's a, that's on a, what do you call it? Like a piece of wood. And then uh, both of those frames, these frames. So yeah, all those frames, we, we did not buy the, any of those frames from the artists. We, we mm-hmm. framed all the, all of those ourselves. And then that brings me to one of the, I'm going to skip around cause we actually got a question. This came from Carmen. 
Her question was how to sell myself to secondhand or resell stores. And my first reaction was that people would only be buying it for the frame and not to do that. <laughs> Which is exactly what I just said. That's exactly. All. Like people yeah. do not buy art from secondhand stores unless they're planning on throwing it away. So, yeah, I, mean, I, I have a feeling that, that in that question, she maybe, maybe means something else. Like when, when I say we saw shop secondhand shops, I'm talking about stuff like Goodwill. Right. Right. Well, that's what um, I thought too. Is she talking, what is she referring to then? I, I think she might be just or... talking to like retail boutiques. Ah. Right. Because you don't sell through Goodwill. You just give stuff to Goodwill and then Goodwill sells it. Right. Um, but I think she's talking about like retail boutiques, specialty boutiques. Okay. I think that's what she's talking about. Okay. I'm making an assumption. But within that assumption, assuming that you're talking about getting into stores, there's no secret to it. You just go to them and you say, Hey, I have this art. I think it'd be a good fit for your shop because of X, Y, Z reasons. Here's my wholesale prices. And your wholesale price is half the retail price. And you either give it to them for free on consignment for 60 days, 90 days, or however long, or they buy it. Um, If you're an unknown artist, it's probably going to be on consignment. Yeah. Okay. That's good advice. Points for Corey. Next. All right, now here is a question I wanted to ask you, your opinion. Is Etsy dead? Oh, no. Okay. Uh, is Etsy dead? No, Etsy is not dead. Long live Etsy. Is Etsy, Etsy has never been a thing for professional fine artists who are trying to make a living from their work. Etsy has never been a thing for that. Although right. we can't, we do have exceptions to that rule. Sure. There's right. always exceptions. Okay. Every, every time I say there's a rule, somebody's like, right. I make $200,000 a year. Well, so it's I'm like, like look at Lisa Congdon. Yeah. She only uses Etsy as her shop. Okay. Okay. So Lisa Congdon doesn't make like fine art landscape oil painting. True. Right. Right. Uh, so I'm talking about like, if you sell original art for like three grand and up, Etsy has never been your place. Right. right. But if you are an illustrator doing you know, uh, small originals or prints, or if you're a fine artist selling prints that are under like $200, then yeah, you can sell stuff on Etsy. But Etsy has conditioned their audience to look for inexpensive craft and inexpensive art or increasingly mass manufactured stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, had a, I had a recent tantrum about Etsy where I just unlisted all my art from Etsy. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, 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 yeah. There's I no, there's a, no serious art collectors or I, I shouldn't say no, but there are very, very few. There are, but now, the, now the artists who are there, it's like, it's become very competitive and mm-hmm. Etsy is not in there. They want to spread the sales around. Mm-hmm. So if you have sales, they will actually limit you for a while and give somebody else a chance. They've actually said that, that that's their business model is yeah. they, 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 they're kind of want to democratize it, but that's not good for somebody who's actually trying to make a living. Yeah. Like, and, and that is no different from any of the other marketplaces that are out there. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you're talking about art fire shop, uh, Saatchi online, uh, fine art America, uh, all of those marketplaces, their business incentive is to give as many artists as possible a sale, yes. which means that they're going to not, they're going to try as hard as they can to make sure that people are exposed to as many different artists as possible. So, you know, you, if you're trying to make a living, like stick your stuff there, sure, but you want to start driving people to your website 
rather than spending time driving people to these third-party marketplaces. Completely agree. All right, my next question. Okay, here's a really good question. This is, let's see, give credit to the person who asked it. This is something that's come up in my own life though. This is from Jamie. So Jamie wants to know, how are artists handling older art? So what, what's happening is that, and this happens to, this happens to all artists, that we're fairly prolific and nobody can possibly sell all the art that they make. And this has been true forever, Monet, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. everyone. So what happens with all this excess inventory? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, do you have any suggestions of what to do, what, how to move it? I mean, I mean if, if you, no, if you right? become famous, right? Like if you're Monet and you're yeah. 70 years old and you have a lifetime of work and you've done a million things, right? Then the thing you do is you set up a foundation and the foundation figures out a way to archive and catalog your work. And they purchase a storage, a temperature controlled storage unit somewhere and, <laughs> uh, and store it all there. But that is because you are a historically important artist and they want to preserve the work for the sake of the culture. And they want to, and they know that at some point all of that work will either go to a museum or get sold. Right. I was just, I'm reading, uh, I'm almost done with a a biography about Leonardo da Vinci. And there's like something like 4,000 pages of his journals that are existent. Right. And they keep finding more all the time. Every few years, they find a new, a few more pages of Leonardo da Vinci's journals. And so there's tons of them, and they, and, but they're all spread all over at the sort of a tangent. But okay, so assuming you are not a super rich, world famous artist, you have to just start making a decision. Like if you have a garage with tons of space in it, you can store all your stuff there and just hope that someday somebody wants it. But as far as like, can you hold a sale and move all of your old inventory? If you're not already selling like crazy, holding a fire sale of all your work is not going to do anything. No. Um, You're just going to disappoint yourself. Okay. Now you wrote an article recently about how to hold a flash sale on Instagram. Uh So is would that help move inventory? I mean, you want to just, you want to explain that? It's possible. Inventory? It's possible. So the idea of a flash sale is you let people know that you're going to have a sale and it's going to last 24 hours, 48 hours, whatever. And you give them like a few days heads up, a three days, seven days, whatever. And then you put up all the inventory for sale on your website or on Instagram, however you want to do it. And it's available there for that amount of time. And then you take it down, right? And this is nice because you can you can kind of stuff in some of your older stuff. But one of the challenges that I see artists have, like say you're an artist and you've been painting for 20 years, your style is going to change over time and your subject matter is going to change over time. And once you become well-known for a certain style or subject matter, if, if you are trying to shoehorn a bunch of old inventory that is unrelated to it what you're doing, work. it doesn't work. Yeah. No, because it sticks out like a sore thumb and then it yeah. makes your good work look bad because it didn't, then it makes you look like a hobbyist. Like you have one of these and one of those. You really yeah. want to, when you're putting out art, whether it's in a gallery style setting, it doesn't have to be a gallery, but you are putting on a show mm-hmm. and that show is your website or that show is Instagram or that show is whatever it is. 
you want it to be curated and you want yeah. it to, to make sense. I mean, I even have that problem because I paint in both watercolors and mixed media. Sometimes I feel like, oh, I can't, can't show them both in the same month. Like if I have a streak of showing some, I, I like things to make sense. Like why am I painting this and what story am I telling with my art? So it's really can be off putting to somebody who's new or even who's not new to suddenly see, well, wait, what's this? Yep. Yeah. So it's kind of like people who start suddenly show pictures of their food when they're expecting art on your <laughs> Instagram feed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to, so we're going to have a lot of art for our grandchildren to share basically is what you're saying. Yep. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So I can put their names and tape underneath. Like my, my brother-in-law's mother used to do <laughs> so he, like you go to their house and change the tape on the China. Okay. This is a great question. And I think we both have some advice and opinions on this. This came from Emily. Emily wants to know how to engage with a journalist. Can we tweet, email them direct and say, hey, please write about me? So you and I have both written about artists. What, what would be your response if somebody, oh. I mean, do you get approached by people to, for them to write about you? I do. I, yeah. I do, yeah. Yeah. So you have to understand that there's like a million artists out there who want journalists to write about them. Yeah. So you need to know why your story is important and unique and different from everybody else's. And you need to know, you just need to have a compelling story in the first place, right? I paint is a really boring story, but you know, if you if your story is, I paint the feelings and emotions that come up as I recovered from cancer. Like that's a, that's a, that's a specific interesting to some people's story, right? Monet painted because he wanted to see how light works, right? Like he was exploring how light works. Like those are, those are the kind of things that journalists can write about. It's a story they can latch on to. So what I usually teach artists in our, in our How to Sell Your Art Online courses is figure out what your story is and then essentially write the story and then go pitch that story to the journalists, right? That's a technique, but as somebody who's written articles for professional artist magazine, it's also a little bit backwards because at least the type of articles that I write, it starts with the relationship. I'm rarely going to write an article about one artist. Like if there sure. is, you know, if we put out an issue for the, that magazine and I don't know how many articles, I'm just making up a number. Let's say there's 10 articles in that issue. There's only going to be one where it's just going to be a feature article about one artist, most of yep. them are going to be topic-based where the writer is going to go to their friends or those artists who they have relationships with and ask the question. So like, the advice that I would give Emily is to start building relationships first. Like, are you following that journalist mm -hmm. or that writer? Let's say it's me or you. Are you following them on Instagram? Do you like mm -hmm. them on Facebook? Do you share their posts? So you build up goodwill with them first and the relationship before you go in for the ask. Yep. So it's kind of like you have to date them for a while and build a relationship before you ask them to marry you. <laughs> so, uh, and then then I wouldn't say, do you want to write about me? I think the ask would be more along the lines of, I'm available if you have questions about 
my process rather than putting in that big ask like that. Mm -hmm. What do you yeah. think of that? No, I think, I think that's absolutely true. And that's actually uh, like compiling a list of influencers and we include journalists and bloggers and social media, people who have large social media followings um, as well as a bunch of other types of people. We will tell artists to go figure out who are influential to your ideal collectors and then go start developing relationships with those people, right? Yes. Um, and, and that means like getting out of your studio and going and acting like a human with other people. Yeah. And it, hopefully they become friendships at some point, but right. just even professional relationships um, yes. where you provide something of value for them as well as vice versa is the way that you have to do it over the long term. Completely agree. Okay, so I hope that answered your question, Emily. All right, and now my next question is from Gabrielle, and she wants to know if it's possible to market your art or make sales from your art if you're not on Facebook and Instagram. Sure, yeah, absolutely. It means that, so, okay, I think that there are five distinct business models for artists, Okay. right? And a couple of them don't have to involve social media at all. Mm. So the first one is selling through galleries, okay. right? If you get into the right gallery, you don't have to do anything on social media at all, right? You can right. just be the enigmatic artist behind the screen who just shows up for the openings. But it is a pretty rare gallery that can just take your work and sell it without you doing any additional work. Totally yeah. agree. Yeah. So the gallery that I've been in, I pretty much brought them their buyers. Yeah. Yeah. So then the second business model is licensing, right? Where you give companies the permission to use your work on their products and they pay you for that privilege. That doesn't require social media at all. That is literally just contacting the buyers for these corporations and pitching them your portfolio. The only thing you might get involved with in social media there is to find those buyers on Instagram and see what kind of stuff they like. Right. But that doesn't that doesn't involve you posting on social media at all. No. Um, and I'm told that these buyers are less on Instagram and more on LinkedIn and Twitter. Yeah. Have you heard that as well? Yeah. Um, because they are if you're a buyer for uh, I don't know, I'm just going to pick some random retailer target. Unless you really love art for some reason, uh, you're probably not going to care so much about Instagram. And as a corporate employee, LinkedIn is super important for you. Uh, Twitter is probably important and you're, the art is not the only thing you're buying. You're buying art and you're buying clothes and you're buying, you know, a, a whole wide variety of things. Your job, your job is to acquire stuff for target to sell. So you just need to basically email them and say, here's my portfolio. Do you want it? And then the third model is, uh, selling through art directors, right? And so this becomes like things like putting work in hospitals that's what I'm looking for, to hotels, hospitals, hotels, and other corporate offices, right? So that's also known as like going to an art consultant. That's the same yes. thing. Yeah, art directors, art consultants, same thing. Okay. It just, they have different titles depending right. on the region and who they're working with. Construction firms, architecture firms that are in charge of building large buildings, they are also given a, an art budget by the client. And it's usually like one or 2% of the overall construction budget. And you contact the construction firm or the architecture firm and say, hey, who's the art director that you're working with? or the art consultant that you're working with. And they might give you the name and then you go find that person's email address and you shoot them an email and say, hey, here's my portfolio. Am I a good fit for any of your projects, right? And then you email that person once or twice a year and just let them know that you're still alive. 
And when, when they do have a project that is a good fit for your work, they will say, hey, here's the budget, here's the size, here's the deadline. Can you deliver in the, you know, those parameters? And, they, and they're not flexible, right? Like the art consultant has been given a $100,000 budget and they need work on five floors and certain parameters that have already been measured. So it's not like you can really negotiate it. That's the budget, that's the size. And once you develop relationships with, you know, 50 to 100 of these different art consultants, you'll have work fairly regularly, but it takes several years to get to that point. And that doesn't require social media at all. One of my close friends is a sculptor who 90% of his uh, sales happen that way, uh, is, is through art, art consultants. Um, yeah. And he places 50, 60, $80,000 pieces in corporate headquarters all over the world. That's fantastic. Yeah. Do you want to give him a shout out so we can look up this artist? No. <laughs> he, doesn't, he, doesn't want, he doesn't want me talking about it. Oh, he doesn't? Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you already said how much he makes or? Yeah, yeah. Because um, he, uh, he intentionally keeps a low profile. He's, he's never been like in a magazine or. Is he afraid people are going to kidnap his kids if he knows they know how much he makes? He's just, or, right? he's just a really private person. <laughs> okay. He's just a really private person. So if you met him, he would just seem like a really regular dude and he's never been featured in any art magazines or anything like that. Okay. He just prefers to be very private. Mm. Yeah. So there's those three. And then the others are direct to collector, which you can probably do direct to collector yourself without social media. Like if you're doing like outdoor art fairs or something like that, but I think you really hamper yourself if you're going to, if you're not going to use social media. Also commissioned um, artists definitely can do, I mean, yeah. I mean, what do you uh, think we did before social media came along? Sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. I would argue that even if you're a commission artist, like there's, there comes a, uh, a point of momentum mm. where you don't need social media anymore. But in order to get to the point where you have so many people referring you, you, you do need to do some work. And I, I think that direct-to-collector sales and commission work, it can work. You can make it work without social media, but it's, it's just harder. I think I would also point out the thing about social media, it's also social proof. Mm -hmm. So if you are a, even any of those other categories you talked about, whether you're looking to, you're, you're new to licensing, for example, or you're new mm -hmm. to art consulting, or you, you're, you're new to whatever the category is. If you're able to say to some, hey, I have 20,000 followers on Instagram, that now says something about the likability of your mm -hmm. art. Yep. And a lot of times people are going to look, look you up and see what is, I mean, that's one of the first things I do. Like with Emily's question, if somebody were to approach me who I never heard of, I might look up what's their Instagram following before mm -hmm. I even engage with them. If there's somebody who I might want to interview to see how popular they are. Yep. So how do you get there? You got to engage. <laughs> Right. And, and, you know, some artists are just so introverted that they don't want to do it. They don't want to bother. That's fine. And, and in a lot of ways, social media is poison. In a lot of the ways that people use social media is yes. poison. Yes. And if you are the kind of person that needs like to narrow your world so that you can be really focused on the art that you make and all that kind of stuff, I totally get that. You just have to pick a business format that makes sense for your lifestyle. Right. Right. With the artists that you're working on, the, the top salaried artists, let's say, 
Uh-huh. What, what, how, what are their business models? Is it a mix of those or do you see the more money being made in a particular category? It's all, it's all over the place. Just kind of think through the artists that we've worked with who are doing well. Most of them do use social media to some extent. This is something that's really fascinating to me. Like I'm known as the guy that teaches artists how to sell art on the internet, but more than that, 80%. That's the name of your book. Yes. yes. Uh, but, but the reality is that more than 80% of all sales across retail sectors still happen offline. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they happen at outdoor shows. They happen at galleries. They happen at open studio events, all, all of that kind of stuff. So the internet, like there are some artists who only sell online and they do really well. But the most artists who are doing well are using social media and email and other digital marketing to drive people to come see the work in person. Yeah. Yeah. And you still have to pick up the phone. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's really hard, but that, you know, when you want to close a deal, they're not going to necessarily do it on email Yeah. for a $2,000 painting. Yeah. So I, I think most of them are still using social media, but a lot of it is just to drive people to whatever in person event they're having. Yeah, I, I feel like most of them are using social media, but I think that's just because most people use social media. Um, if you're trying to avoid social media, it's either because you have like a principled stand against the poison of Facebook, mm. or you are afraid of joining the modern world. Right. I just find like you, you may not necessarily be closing a deal because you posted something on Instagram, but it's a good way to remind your mm. collectors that you exist. Yep. yep. So it, you know, instead of taking out print ads, that's... that's it's like okay. 50 years ago when, when the telephone first started becoming like a big thing in business, 50, more than 50 years ago, however long ago that was, um, people were like, why should everybody have a phone at their desk? That's really stupid. Like nobody needs a phone. We just write letters to each other. And it's... <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember when my husband tried to get me a cell phone. I was like, what do I need that for? Right. Well, I, I can't walk out of a room without it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it, it's just the way that we communicate with each other evolves. And yeah. if you don't want to be on social media, I just consider thinking, you know, why don't you want to be on social media? And if it's, if it's an intentional statement, then I can respect that. You just have realized that you are closing one avenue, but you can put a lot of energy into some other avenue. Right. Now, like if you look at art history, like um, Matisse, would send works in progress to his top collectors, like the Cone sisters. Like he mm-hmm. would send them photographs and letters. Uh-huh. And like you said, basically all we're doing with social media is automating and systematizing and scaling that same process. But yeah. you should still be doing a personal touch with your top collectors. Yeah. All right, Corey, this was so much fun talking to you today. Thanks for spending this time with me. We'll have to have sure. you back, right? Yeah, absolutely. We'll come back and we'll do the same thing, like in a, yeah. you know, making you commit on the air. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah absolutely. Okay, right. I'm, happy, I'm happy to talk to you anytime. No, this was a lot of fun. So thanks so much for joining me. Where, do you, where should people come and find you? If you want to learn how to sell your art on the internet or just sell your art in general, then head on over to theabundantartist.com. Perfect. And I definitely recommend your book. In fact, I was looking through it again this morning and I was like, oh yeah, I might want to start blogging about my art again. It's really inspiring. I really enjoyed it a lot. So definitely also pick up Corey's book, How to Sell Your Art Online. And I will put a link to that in the show notes. 
as well as everything else we talked about today. Thanks so much, everybody. Thanks, Corey. All righty. So that wraps up episode number four of the Inspiration Place podcast. Remember, you can find all the links we talked about today on my show notes, which you can find at shulmanart.com forward slash four. I'll have a link to Corey's book. I'll have a link to everything we talked about, as well as that free Facebook group, The Inspiration Place, where you can ask questions that will be answered in future podcasts. So I hope to see you in the free Inspiration Place Facebook group. Again, you can find that at shulmanart.com forward slash group or in the show notes, shulmanart.com forward slash four. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you subscribe. So I'll see you here next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Inspiration Place podcast. Connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash shulmanart, on Instagram at shulmanart, and of course, on shulmanart.com. All right, so there you have it. We really did cover a lot of ground. Now, if you want to get your questions answered, please request to join my free Facebook group, The Inspiration Place. There'll be a link for that in the show notes, shulmanart.com slash four. So this is episode four, and there'll be links to anything else you need as well in the show notes. But if you request to join, then next time, maybe I'll be answering your question on this podcast. Speaking of next time, let me tell you what's coming up next. Next time, I have a real treat because I've invited a New York gallery owner to discuss how they price art in their gallery. Listen in. We have 35 galleries around the world. So for the, for the artist, it's a great opportunity to be displayed in Moscow, in New York, in Sedona, in Mexico, in Shanghai, in Paris. So if you don't want to miss a single episode, be sure you subscribe on iTunes.